This is episode 125 of the Relate Podcast on Magic in the Air with nine-time Tony Award-winning producer, Wendy Fetterman. We are spending more and more time in the online world, looking through our screens and increasingly disconnected with those around us. But studies have proven that it's real-life meaningful relationships that bring us the most joy and happiness. It's all about human connection and conversing with people from a variety of backgrounds. Worlds change when eyes meet. So let's sit down and relate. I am your host, Patrick McAndrew, and welcome to another episode of Relate. We have some great insight into the Broadway world for this episode. We are talking with nine-time Tony Award-winning producer Wendy Fetterman. She is such an amazing guest on this show, and I was so happy that she was able to take the time to join me for a conversation. Wendy has been a powerhouse in the Broadway world for several years now. She is a, as I mentioned before, a nine-time Tony Award-winning theater and film producer, and she has also received an Olivier Award, 10 Drama Desk Awards, 18 Outer Critics Circle Awards, and 16 Drama League Awards for many of her nearly 90 co-productions. She's also won a wide variety of different awards, works on a variety of different committees as an advisor. She's done a lot of fundraising for the arts as well. She was also a 2019 recipient of the Ellis Island Medal of Honor. So she has done a lot. Many of the productions that she has worked on are very well known. Some of her shows include Dear Evan Hansen, Hades Town, Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations, Jagged Little Pill, Moulin Rouge, Tina, To Kill a Mockingbird, so many other good shows that she's worked on as well. So we're very lucky to have her on the Relate podcast. And in this episode, we talk about a lot of great things. We really start off our conversation talking about how COVID has affected the Broadway world, how it's affected really the entertainment industry at large, and how we're really shifting into a tendency now where home content is more more on demand. We talk about what it takes to succeed in the entertainment industry, why it's important to have conviction and drive to make something work for you, and also the importance of believing in what you are doing. I ask Wendy, really, how does she know when a show is going to be successful? When does she know to really move forward and become a producer on a show. And she gives us a lot of great information on that, such as being in tune with what the audience wants, what interests her personally, and then stories that strike emotion and humanity within her. Wendy also talks about her enthusiasm and great desire to get back into the Broadway world once everything opens up again because of the energy that is inherent within a live audience. This is a really great episode. If you have a friend that is interested in entering the entertainment industry, especially if they're interested in the Broadway world, please send this episode their way. If you like what you hear, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Let me know your thoughts. All right. So without further ado, let me please introduce our guest, Wendy Fetterman. You've really really done some amazing work in in the, the Broadway world, the theater world, the producing world. So just being someone myself who is is still pretty relatively new to the industry, I just want to thank you for all your work and all your contributions to the industry. I love what I do and, um, you know, doing a few other things right now as according to, you know, what's appropriate for the moment. But, uh, you know, I just love being in a business where 
you know, it's my hobby is my business. I don't look at, I don't look at it as work. It's kind of like they took my hobby, my, my hobby away from me right now. I know. Which is, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, I spend so much time in theaters. It's been really interesting to see like, okay, what do I do with myself now? Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. I'm, I'm really hoping that things get better. Hopefully, fingers crossed by spring of next year. But I guess it's, it's really hard to, to tell. Um, you it's know, just, all, you know, if, if people just wear the mask, it's not, nothing to do with politics. <laughs> yes, and, yes. you know, if we just get healthy as a nation here, uh, you know, for my friends in pharma, it sounds like vaccines are rapidly on the way. I mean, my husband's in healthcare, so, you know, I have a near to the ground on that. And, um, you know, and the medications at least are getting better either. The protocols are getting better. So, you know, we should be able to help people more faster on like, yes. you know, the first couple of months where, where you know, nobody quite knew, you know, knew what to do. And it, it, it's, um, you know, yeah. I, I can get everybody sort of back to whatever the new normal is going to be. I still think we're going to be in a world with a lot of protocols, which are probably oh, yeah. not a bad idea anyway. You know, the old thing of, you know, telling your kids to wash their hands is, um, is not, is a good idea. It was actually <laughs> a very good idea. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and I guess in the meantime, we're just, you know, just trying to hang in there best of can, best that we can. And I, I appreciate you coming on this show again. The, this show, it's, it's really about the importance of relationships and human connection, especially nowadays where we're all very attached to technology, just given the circumstances. And I believe that we who work in the entertainment industry have a very unique and empowering perspective on what it means to connect as humans, whether through storytelling or just through, right. through the collaborative arts. And so uh -huh. I'm excited to get into this discussion with you. But I guess first we could take a couple steps back and maybe you could just share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you landed up in the producing industry. Oh, interesting story. I would go back to my family roots where my aunt, my mother, and my uncle were all professional actors. My mother did radio, Broadway, uh, television. Uh, my aunt went out to LA and she did film work and vocal work. And my uncle was the voice of Boris Badenoff and the Jolly Green Giant and the Pillsbury Doughboy and every original oh, Lion Disney. That's so amazing. I grew up. Oh my God. Yeah, so I grew up with all of that uh, around me and I was a trained actor as a young you know I was studying acting and dance and all of that and of course you know had to sing harmony by the time I was was six and loved it my my dad had an, a manufacturing and import business which I also enjoyed we manufactured ribbon for the uh, floral and craft trade we imported all the um, novelties for uh, all the big holidays as well so it was a wonderful business and I always had a good head for numbers and I really enjoyed the conventions in the showroom and but my heart was always more in the arts and the culture part but segueing forward dad passed away young it was just my brother and I and I went into the business it was just the right thing to do at the time down the road a bit sell the business uh, reconnect and I stayed connected with a bunch of friends who were still performing and doing other things. But my son at that time was, he's two years old, goes into a play group. And one of the kids' dads was a Broadway producer who also had two off-Broadway theaters back in the 90s, 80s and 90s. Off-Broadway was a really booming commercial business. And we would go to shows um, with him and his wife in his theaters. And we talk and critique. And he turned to me one day and just said, you know, you'd make a great producer. And I looked and I said, you know, I know actors. I know the directors, the choreographers. I, outside of, I guess, paying for the show, what does the producer do? Which he laughed, which is now a question that I laugh at because there's so much more to it than, than money. <laughs> the money, if, if the project is right and everything's going well, the money is, the money is just there. It's, I don't say it's irrelevant, but it, it's, it, it's, it's there. Um, and I really was fascinated by it because I wasn't gonna go back as a performer 
but it was a really interesting thought. And I started, I, I had a separate businesses at the time. I sold the family business and I'm a biofeedback therapist. And my, my specialty was post-traumatic stress disorder. And it was a great um, work to do at the time because that's just something else I enjoy doing, which is talking with people and, and, and seeing if we can problem solve. And I was always into meditation and a lot of other studies that I've, that I've done on the side, but my children were also young as well. And I knew that if I was even gonna enter, think about going into the producing world, I know that there would be a lot of evenings out and travel. So I started as an investor and just kept going to shows and taking a lot of courses in the city uh, on theater, but on the business side of theater. So it was a little bit different for me than my earlier education, but I found out that having coming from both sides you know having the the training to be on stage and then learning the skills about how productions pull themselves together and how one discovers and works with creatives it, it all sort of pulls itself together i've been asked uh, to be a a speaker at certain career days at high schools and universities and and whatnot and one of the things i say is you know just remember your first job does not have to be your last job and I think right. younger generations know that way better than my generation uh, was told it because we were told, you know, you, this is what you are. That's what you're going to school for. And that's what you're going to be. There's a lot of more fluidity now. And now, especially in this COVID time where uh, many traditional jobs, many jobs are being done in different ways or jobs that don't exist and we're finding other things that we can do to be of service or jobs are just being done differently where people are either learning new skills or going back to skills that they had before and applying them in a different way i think that's been a very big theme of what's been going on in the last six months and that's this word that everybody uses which i'm tired of saying but the word pivot <laughs> yeah, um, no, I was thinking. And, I was thinking oh. that in my head before you said it. I was like, "Oh yes, yeah, yeah." It's like my least favorite word, but it's the word that describes it the best. And sometimes it could be, depending, I guess, on what your profession is or what you're doing. It could be like the teeniest bit, or it could be a full, you know, 180 degree. I'm going this way now. It depends where you know where. You know, how you were caught when all of this happened and, and what you're doing it is, it is quite interesting. I would like to think that we're going to come out of this uh, more evolved. I would like to think we're gonna come out a bit more spiritual and understanding what the real really matters in life, which is our, which is our, our health, family, right. uh, being together. You know, a lot of us have not, had the opportunity to spend time with certain family members that we would now i mean when would i be having this time to spend this kind of time with my adult children um siblings that have moved back in, in together you know people the the i'm told there were quarantine pods where certain good friends got together and said listen you know we know we're good and let's just get through this together so i think there's an opportunity here for um, a, hopefully a kindness and a graciousness and an understanding of what community really can mean and taking care of each other and being there for each other. And yeah. it's not about, you know, again, I, I just for the life of me cannot understand it's why the science is all there that just wearing that simple piece of cloth around this bottom half of your face could make such a huge difference even if you don't want to do it for health do it for the economy let's just get everybody better so everybody can go back to work um i i, I for the life of me can't understand it yeah but, yeah i absolutely agree with you that with that and it, it's yeah i'm very curious to see what it's going to be like when we do start going to work and you know when we do start coming together in larger numbers again i mean especially in the the entertainment world the theater world the broadway world because it's been so heavily affected and i i guess what have been from what you see looking ahead is it more so as a from a producer's perspective really just planning for what's going to come after the pandemic 
or is it also trying to figure out like new projects and stuff while the pandemic is happening? You know, I think it's both because that's kind of where my day is. I, I Right now, if it was not for COVID, I think I would be a part of 10 or 11 Broadway shows. And there were three off Broadway. There would be five national tours with a few going out this fall. There'd be four shows in the West End in London. So I'm very anxious to see these shows, uh, how they're, everybody's doing, of course, but are these all shows that, you know, will hopefully will we'll be back and what will it take to bring each one back? Because each one, it's like a, a separate child, you know, they each have their own their own needs. They were each in different at different ages and stages in their development. Some, you know, were were in um, you know three days from opening, and other ones had been open a, you know a couple of years. So again, each show has different teams on it. You know that will is are guiding the paths to what will be needed for reopening. So that's one part of it, and then the other part for me has certainly been. As someone that likes to stay busy and 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 be with creative people and 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 see things happen, is looking into what else could I do during this time to be effective. I mean, I've I've produced film before, and I've actually been involved in a few scenarios of putting some reading scripts and helping to put some funding together. One project will be might be easier than another because it was. It'll be a documentary and a lot of the footage already exists. So it's not about getting people in a room. Other projects will be about when can we get these people together? Where is it being filmed? Because that's got a lot to do with the rules and regulations of what's going on in those areas. So again, timing and whatnot. Another project I'm looking into that is working with a streaming service and maybe providing services there because I think whatever we've also learned from what's happened that there, even post COVID, people have become very comfortable. A lot of people have become very comfortable with being entertained from home or the right. art of having people over a few people over for dinner. And, you know, I guess back in the day when everybody maybe got together to watch Ed Sullivan or whatever the main, the big show was at the time. Um, obviously now it's gonna be something more, something exciting and interesting, but I think we know that home content is, is, is going to be fresh content for people to have watch and view in their homes is in demand. And I don't think that demand will necessarily go away when people start going back out. I think when the switch goes on, and it's safe to go out, people will run. It's possible that, you know, people under 50, let's say, might run faster than people over 60, 65, who will be a little bit more careful and maybe wait a couple of months just to be sure. But in saying that, I know people of all ages that cannot wait to get out the door. But on the other hand, um, you know, people that are so now comfortable with, you know, the conversation never used to be, um, okay, what do I binge now? It's a whole <laughs> new binging. It used to be about being in front of the refrigerator. Now it's about, okay, what's my next series? What's my next, uh, or what, what's the next must-see film? And again, I think there will be a certain amount of entertainment that will be, um, it, it's not going to be that, maybe that big of a difference anymore between what's considered at home and maybe what's considered in a, in a, in, in a cinema, you know, there'll be a little, there'll be even more of the, um, you know, of that back and forth conversation. And then I'm working on another project that involves a live immersive entertainment work, but oh, also is, it was a, but it was a brand new IP storytelling. So it also came with it, um, an IP, um, technology to do an app. And it's got some patent pending technology. And original plan was to do the live immersive first and introduce the IP brand that way. And by the end of March, my partners figured out we better move this around and let's introduce this via the app first 
And the app will probably be test marketed somewhere early fall. And then we'll watch, you know, again, markets around international markets and see where any kind of live immersive, you know, even if it's with distancing at first and then closer up together, uh, where these events can take place, where it looks like it's gonna be deemed safe. But again, you know, that was a really smart pivot and that was a fortunate one where the, the storytelling and the technology was already there for the app. It was just having to make, um, you know, put all the, the juices and forces into uh, onto working on the app and that storytelling and putting the live version on the side. And now there's a little bit less pressure on that live version, unlike, you know, our Broadway shows, which were up and running and financed and, you know, we need to see to come back. We can take a little breath on that. And then, of course, there's still live theater. Uh, I've just been involved with uh, putting together a deal on a show that will open in London when permissible. It was thinking February, but it might be more towards spring. But again, it's going to be a new opening, so it's not as much pressure on it because it's not like it was stopped in the middle of the run. And if I chose to online, I would say there must be, you know, at least one to two Zoom readings of new material a day that, that I could be watching. You know, in addition to the old school, you know, I've got a script or I've got, you know, listen to the music now. And it's getting better. They were very stilted at first, but actually watching these Zoom these Zoom readings, the directors of everybody, talent, and the directors have really risen to the occasion. And if the material's really good enough, sometimes you actually don't realize that, yeah, oh, right, those people are nowhere near each other. But huh. it's just done, it's done so cleverly with, you know, who's looking in what direction and eyes up and down and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So it actually feels, in a strange way, busier uh, because it's not only watching what, you know, my, my, I'd say my day job of the, the, the projects that were current. And then of course, keeping in touch with my investors, keeping in touch with partners, keeping in touch with creatives, but it's also really forced me, well, forced me because it's why I want to do it to look, look into other arenas. And, you know, I've got like five other things on my desk that I just haven't even had a time yet to explore and they kind of sort of fit in with entertainment and what I do, or I might be able to be a good connector. I'm a good connector. So even if I'm not going to do it, but I might have somebody, you know, I know someone who's done something like that. And I think you guys, you people should talk. And I don't know. Sometimes you don't know what a day is going to bring. <laughs> right. 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 It's, oh, it's, exactly. It's, and, and, you know, and of course it's navigating through, you know, how much news are we going to allow ourselves to watch every day? Because oh, that's the news so true. Is, it can be very disheartening, although we need to be informed. Uh, but, you know, we can't live our life on it because in a strange way, that's a form of entertainment too. So we have to remind ourselves that if things are even, you know, there's a sensationalism that we can get ourselves into a, too much of a hyper state. I think we all have to just sort of take a deep breath and look at our own lives and go, okay, here's what I can do. Here's how I can be um effective in my world my family my work my community be a good citizen and take responsibility for what it is that i can do because otherwise i think you, you can get yourself i think i found and i i, I don't, i'm hoping most people are out of it but you know like the first couple of weeks it was almost stupefying you know we were all in this state of this cannot be happening this is like a bad you know, like that contagion movie this is just a bad movie and then yeah. having to get into, you know, the next step of, okay, this is what's happening. And now let's, now let's deal with it. And everybody's taking, you know, again, like, like you, you know, you, we all know people in different walks of life and doing different things and everybody's, um, some people have more work than they've ever had in a good way and a good way, but you know, whatever that their chosen profession is, is exceptionally busy. And then you've got other industries that are just sunk or sinking. I mean, I, I think of all the, the wonderful restaurants 
in, 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 you know, just thinking about New York City because of, you know, where, you know, my, I spend my time and where Broadway is that just don't know if they'll even ever come back or all the, the, the talent, whether they're on stage or backstage, you know, the people that, that everybody wanted to come to New York, right? The Big Apple, I'm going to go to New York and make it big or be a part of it. And there's no work and it's not even there's no work in their chosen profession but there isn't even that extra well if i can't get that i can work and do something else because those jobs aren't there and how many people are just going to have to say you know what i think i i have to maybe give that dream up and go back go back home and either see if they can hang in and revisit it or or move on it's it's a lot of big life decisions i think are going have been going on and are going on and you know, what, all that we can do in the entertainment business for what we do is try to be, you know, provide, be, inf you know, be informative, maybe bring a little cheer, a little happiness, a little understanding, and again, you know, bring people together uh, to combat some of what, what's been taking place, which has been scary. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really amazing just how how much has changed even just like in a few months. And I'll be very curious to see what happens on the, the other end of it. Obviously we're going through some evolution of sorts. And so I'll be interested to see how it changes the industry. And I guess with, with all of that said, kind of taking a couple steps back before the pandemic, I think, you know what? What's great about this pandemic, in some ways, is that it's allowing us to kind of reflect on our careers and and what we've done and and what we plan to do moving forward. And as I said at the beginning of our conversation, you've had this amazing career working as a producer, and it, and it's continuing to go forward too, despite the, the mm -hmm. given circumstances. And so. Obviously, there's a wide variety of different producers out there. I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners what you believe makes a successful producer. Well, I think like anything else, you need to have the conviction that whatever it is you're working on is worth being done and have the drive and to a certain extent, put some blinders on. You know, how many stories do we hear of great things and great projects that happened. And people were told, are you kidding me? That's a terrible idea. How can you even think of that? So I love reading um, biographies and biographies on people, you know, that whether it's the talent or the creatives or whatnot and how some great projects were almost never got made or, you know, but they, you know, so you need to believe in whatever it is you're doing. You certainly need to be a good uh, team leader, I believe, and or, or, or team partner, and someone who brings something to the table. If you're working with other partners, you know that you 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 contribute. You bring something to the table, and hopefully you have a you have a heart and a soul. And again, depending on what your function is, a, a good head for for numbers and what makes sense, and um, a good feel for what what people might want, what might be the next thing of, you know, of interest of, 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 you know, that feels like something, that's something I'd want to watch. That's something my kids would want to see. Um, one of the things that I've found just in my theater producing world is that I'm a huge theater goer. So I know when I, when I came into theater producing and I'd even be with producers that were, you know, way back and I was more seasoned in producing than I was, but as a, a lifelong theater goer, I always felt if I looked at, for example, an ad copy or something, I'd go, well, that's not explaining it to me. I don't get what, what that, what that image or that slogan means. So if I don't understand it, I'm not going to buy a ticket for it. And since I'm the, predominant demographic for purchasing, you know, for this show or for this, for the genre, this isn't working. We've got to make this work. So I think it's being, um, again, just in tune with what your audience, what an audience is looking for, but also just has your heart and passion in it. And just, and then of course, I just, a world of patience. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no doesn't have to mean no. Uh, being good at 
putting little fires out, big fires. Again, I hate to use that, that, that famous word pivot, but sometimes you can't always get it done the way you wanted to get it done. Uh, I hear so many stories that, you know, how, uh, create stories of how, uh, you know, especially on film shoots, how we can't do it here because this happened or there was a flood or this, but we, we, we have to be done by the end of the day and they figure another way out to get it accomplished and get it filmed or, you know, again, you just have to be really, really sparks a bit creativity fast on your feet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've got to be, so you, you're really just a lot of a, a visionary, a visionary with a heart and a soul and a decent enough brain to not, you know, not try to produce something at a crazy, uh, for a crazy dollar amount or an idea that just doesn't make sense. And, and being trend-wise either. You know, I think there's a lot of material that may come out of this time about stories of what people went through. But on the other hand, I don't think there should be a flood of material because everybody has a COVID story. Everyone has a COVID-19 story. <laughs> everybody yeah, went through yeah. something. So I don't think we're gonna to wanna to go to the movies or, 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 or you know, the TV or, or theater and watch, and this happened. I think if it's, this is how people reacted to each other and storytelling while this event happened, that's a different, that's something different. And then I think the same way, whether it was after, um, you know, the depression or you look back at certain the history of film, um, you know, I think we're gonna, I think there's definitely gonna be a need for some good old fashioned frivolity and just let's take your mind off of what happened and here's some great entertainment. I have personally found for me, but again, I, I love this stuff. Um, if the TV's on in the background, I have on that old TCM, the Turner Classics. And, you know, one day they did a Lana Turner day. They did a Rita Hayworth day. They did an Orson Welles day. And even if it was on in the background, but something would, would spark. But again, it just it fascinated me. It was interesting. It harkened to another time. And it gave me a little something to learn. But then those big old gorgeous musicals. And they just, they were feel good. And a lot of them were around the, uh, the depression through World War II and why? Because people wanted to feel better. And the, the, the producers recognized this as much as they were wonderful heartfelt stories. Um, they also wanted to give audiences options for just that 90 minutes, two hours of lift my spirits, please. So, yeah. I think it will be interesting to see what comes out from, from songwriters, from everyone. I, 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 again, if we want to try to think about what good will come out of this outside of hopefully us being a more kinder and compassionate society, I think there will be some brilliant creativity. I think uh, uh, the medical world has really had to step it up and you know, hopefully we'll have a lot more answers preventatively as well in terms of um, not only do we need the flu shot or taking, you know, a, a vaccines, but, you know, yes, it really makes sense to eat well. It really makes sense to get, you know, to, to, to be taking care of ourselves and be in, and, 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 and regard our, and take good care of our bodies. You know, again, I can only hope that, um, trust that all of this suffering is for a better reason. Yes. Yeah. I, I would agree with you on that. And I, I'd be interested to dive deeper a little bit into just some of the things that you were saying, uh, just through your experience as a producer and working in the entertainment industry. When someone comes to you with, with a script or perhaps you, you go to a reading or or you see a, a show very early in its development. What is it about mm -hmm. a sh what is it about a show that makes you want to work on it? Oh gosh, um, I mean, certain ones have been certain ones have been no brainers. You know, there were just anywhere from, let's say, it was a revival of Hair, which I just adored, and and Diane Torres, the director, gave it such a great new twist. Uh, and her Pippin was wonderful um, to be a part of bringing back Angels in America, which is such brilliant material and text and to still have some of it. You know, I, I took my daughter to the opening, I guess it was two or three years ago. 
and I was really misty-eyed at the end, and she was too. And she says, "Mom, it's so moving." I said, "I know, but the reason I'm so sad <laughs> is I, I was hoping our world would be a better place since this was written, you know." From and 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 there are so many things that are still so wrong, and this is pre-COVID. So again, I think there's a world where, um, you know, it's 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 it's. I enjoy revisiting the masters, and then when it comes to new material. Um, Again, I, I use myself a lot as I'm my number one audience and as a, as a theater goer and as the person that would check off the box, yes, I go to two, I see two shows a week kind of thing. Okay, I would, this interests me. So let me check this out because there's a lot of me's and I also am cognizant of what I think, you know, the, um, because fortunately, Younger, you know, the younger people are, are are now becoming a bigger, are becoming bigger theater goers. You know, the, the demographics are changing. So many a time I either bring one of my kids, my kids are young adults, but I bring one of them with me or I'll go with, let's say, a, another producer or actor or friend that maybe is a, you know, younger than me. You know, again, gee, if it appeals to me and it appeals to you, there's something here. You yes, know, it's not, yes. it, you know, there, there's, there's, you know, if we're both either dance, you know, if we're both standing up and dancing in the aisles, or we both have tears in our eyes, there's something, you know, you take something like Dear Evan Hansen. Uh, I very early, I came on, you know, signed on very early, pretty early on. And by the time Ben sang, you know, waving through a window, I was in a puddle. And I happened to have had a kid that at that time, you know, from high school who was socially, you know, uh, awkward so I'm watching this and I'm going I don't know if anyone else is going to get it but you know I I just was mesmerized and those two creatives who were so brilliant did such great work through the out of town through off-broadway it just kept getting better and better and really this perfect little gem you get a you get a Hades town which is just you know again the music is so soulful you get a band's visit again, based on this tiny little movie, which, you know, um, wouldn't even make sense to most people to make a film out of it, but it's, a, it's, a, it's this gorgeous musical and you, you hear something, you know, you, you just, you know, I don't know. Sometimes it's just that, that, that inner, that feeling of like, wow, I, I, you know, when it came to Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, I went over to see it in London and I just, those producers I said I, I I get this book and I understand and it's you know if you have a child that has some issues and it's just told such a story and I remember when it came to New York you know thinking that'll run a little bit you know there's how many people are really going to want to see a, a, a play about you know this this teenager would uh, on the spectrum even though Marianne Elliott is another one of the most brilliant directors and you know two years later it, it's running it ran, it had a beautiful run and, you know, um, plays don't tend to run as long as, as, as musicals at all. And again, it, it just, the brilliant way that it was done, but the humanity of it, the emotion of the humanity and the storytelling is what, um, you know, I guess I look for, whether it's in the dialogue or whether it's just in, 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 in the music, um, you know, it's kind of hard to say. It's sort of like when you're, you know, you're, you're you could make the same recipe. You know, there's something like, how does a recipe work? Because you've got just that right, you know, blend of flavoring in there, or it just happened, or, you know, you, or you started off with it and it, it looked good, but you knew it needed a little more of this and a little more of that. Um, I always sometimes say like a musical is like a stew because a good stew really tastes better like two days later. Well, a good musical <laughs> might need a couple, it might need a couple of years, but you have some good basic bones to it. And then you say, you know, maybe it would be better if that wasn't in there, but I need a little more of this or a little more of that. Oh God, now that I'm going to be told I'm comparing musicals to stews. Um, <laughs> but I think it's just the, 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 the comparison of, of um, you know, it, it, it's about something strikes a chord and you just don't always know what it is. You know, it's the same way a, good, a writer, you know, and I am so in awe and I have such respect for writers because, you know, they're the ones alone in that room or with a partner or whatnot to just come up with, uh, to craft uh, these amazing ideas, you know, especially these news stories. And 
theater is so collaborative, especially if it's a musical. And, you know, the fact that, you know, well, those three songs didn't work, we'll toss them out, we'll put in some new ones, da 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 You know, the, 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 the abundant creativity and sometimes just sheer brilliance is, is, is amazing. And I guess you have to kind of sift through it. You know, I guess I'm at a point right now, even pre-shutdown, pre where, you know, I just wouldn't have enough time or the bandwidth to have attended every, every workshop or, got, or flown around to see every new show or musical that might wanted to have come into New York. So I really tried to have my ear to the ground with creative teams that I respected or other people in the industry, whether an actor or another producer friend or whatnot, saying, you know, someone's working on something about this. And this sounds really, this might be, this could be. Um, and then sometimes something just shows up on your, you know, like uh, an email and it just sounds, hmm, maybe, maybe I'd enjoy that. Or, you know, somebody, oh, you know, sometimes I've gone to a workshop because there was an actor in it that I knew. And I said, oh, I'll just go to see them. And I walked out and I said, I really enjoyed that. I wonder what they're going to do with it. Is that, can we, is that something to move forward? So again, you don't know, you know, you don't always know. And then of course there are, are producers that themselves come up with interesting ideas or decide to option, um, you know, a, a book, a story, a film, because they feel that, you know, I think maybe this could be musicalized or maybe this is a, maybe there's a story here to tell. So producers producing there's there needs to be you need to have some a heart and a soul to get where the creative is going even if you've never performed yourself there still is it has to be an understanding of is this material am i going to be taking people on a journey is this going to be a journey that people are going to want to go on with me uh you know and and and, and be in that audience and are they going to walk out after seeing this and tell other people you know, spread the word. I'm a big believer in, in um, audience, good word of word of mouth. Many, many a show that's had a successful run may not have gotten the greatest reviews or certain critics might've, you know, they were having a bad day when they saw the show. But if people, you know, 10 people walk out and they tell 10 people and they tell 10 people, um, and it's just a show that people enjoy and it, you know, it, it, it hits a heartstring or an entertainment level. Um, so again, I'm, I'm, I'm super big on word of mouth, which is interesting because now word of mouth is the, with technology has turned into, has turned into social media and to a certain extent has been monetized in, in other ways. But that's really, it's really the old school back in the day of, you know, call your neighbor, you know, running into a neighbor in the supermarket and saying, you know, I saw, you know, a Neil Simon play last night and I just laughed all night, you need to go. It's just now we can do that on um, numerous platforms and um, be way more effective with it. Yeah. Well, and I think like from what it sounds like when you're experiencing a show, if it's like a visceral experience, like almost like an out of body experience, that's when you know it's like, okay, I want to work on this show or I want to produce this show. And it must be after producing for so many years do you find that it's usually an instinctual feeling like you almost know right away after you see the show that okay this is something i want to work on or is it something that you kind of have to let marinate for a while before you're you're like okay th this is this is something i'm interested in there are some like i said you know dear evan hansen um i had loved the film the band's visit and when I heard that there was a producer had optioned it, I hounded him and he said, we haven't even really written it yet. I said, well, please let me know. Cause I think there's a, there, there are so many stories there that if you, if, if it's, if the creativity is done right, could just be brilliant. And yeah, I was there, the, you know, for the, one of the, the first, you know, presentations and I was like, yep, they got it. They, you know, there's always something that, ha you know, there's always work to be done until you get to that you know, big Broadway moment, but um, sometimes something just gets you, hits you really early. Other times there have been, you know, there are times when you see something that um, it's like, there's a germ here, but it's just not ready. And, you know, I might say like, you know what, are you going to take it out of town? Are you going to work on it? 
let me see what you do when you work on it. Again, it depends if I'm, you know, part of the originating team or, or if I'm, if I'm coming into the, in, into the, into the partnership, the producer partnerships. Um, and I mean, there have been times, honestly, that I've, I've had investors who've been with me from day one, but some of them say, Hey, I hear such and such show is coming into town. I, could you get me, I'd like to be, I'd like to put money in it. And then there are just times when my, I, you know, again, being, the business side or whatnot, but also the, the connecting because I find it's very important. Even now I send out, you know, emails or press, you know, press reports or just if there's anything I can do, or, you know, if there's some good zooms coming up this weekend, I'll send it out, you know, to my list of people. But, you know, there were times when investors have actually said to me, could you get me into such and such a show? And I usually say, let me see what they're doing with it. Let me see the numbers. You know, that's the other part that not only does the show, the art, the artistry always comes first, but of course it's still Broadway, still a commercial business. So I need to scrub the numbers and see how they're, it's being run. I want to see, you know, who's running it or who has the rights to it because, you know, just because I know I haven't worked with them um, just to be sure that I feel that, you know, myself and my, my, my group of investors will be well taken care of. Uh, and it doesn't mean that the show may or may not make money, but I just know that everything's, you know, being handled correctly. Because again, you have to separate, you know, it's show business. It's not just show. <laughs> right. So as much yeah. as we want our heart to, our hearts, you know, while, while our hearts are being moved and we're laughing and we're crying or whatever, you know, we still need to keep the lights on and the doors open. And the only way we do that and get to the next show is because we've made people happy um, not only as audiences, but whomever our wonderful investors are, we need to keep them happy as well. But if the material is good, if the material works and all the creativity is going, then that should, you know, the, it, it should be, it should be hand in hand. You know, it should, it should go together in terms of, you know, of, of, of success on all sides. You know, it's a wonderful thing when you have a hit show and you're, you could be employing upwards of 200 people, you know, between uh, on stage, backstage, an orchestra pit, people that just are working, doing other things around it, merchandising. Your audience is happy and your investors are happy because it's the shows making, you know, the seats are filled. You know, that's kind of the, the, the trifecta that you hope for. But it always has to start with great artistry and great work because if that's not there, it, the rest of it's not going to happen. Right, right. And it's usually that great artistry and great work is what makes a a show click. Because uh, at least from, from what I've heard in the, the producing field, for for every, I guess, 10 successful shows, there may be like 50 or to 100 unsuccessful shows. And so so with that said, is it is it really are those secret ingredients the artistry and the the hard work that's put into a production that makes a show really good or is it some other ingredients that are thrown in there as well you know sometimes it's just you know magic in the air that it just works uh that the material's right that cast is delivering it it's it's being received the right way so again i think the most important part is, is, is the material. Well, the material and also is it being presented the right way and getting good producing. Did you put it in the right theater? You don't put a, a, a two-person, two-hander in a huge theater and you don't try to squeeze a big show in a little theater. Again, you know, is, is the lighting, the sound. I mean, there were so many elements. Uh, that, that's why I get all these, the, the, these creatives. I'm also referring to the people that, are des that design and work on other areas just besides just even the writing of it, but you know, lighting can tell a story. Sound can tell a story. The music and sound in a non-musical, in a play, can foreshadow, can tell. I mean, listen to sound. Um, I'm a big, I love listening to soundtracks of films, especially some of the older ones, you know, that I mean, there were just these gorgeous soaring scores to a point where, all right, just, I don't even care what they're saying. That music is so beautiful. I mean, think about of Africa when, you know, they're flying over uh, the tundra and that, that orchestra, Lawrence of Arabia, you know, I mean, but again, so these are just these musical elements. It's when all the elements 
come together in the right way, but it also does need people at the helm running it who are running it financially correctly so that we're not making this gorgeous looking thing and spending $10, but only bringing in $5. We figured how to make this gorgeous, beautiful thing and spend $3 and bring in $5. So, you know, again, it needs, it still does need that other side, but you can have the most perfect um, budgets and um, weekly figure out how to do everything and be cost conscious. But if, if the, if, if the show is not good, it, it doesn't matter. There have been many a time uh, I have walked out of a theater, whether out of town or even sometimes in off Broadway, on Broadway, where I've just said, how did that show get this far? It, it, you know, obviously people believed in it. And I can't say that everything that I have worked on over, I think I was getting near 80 shows and that doesn't even include shows because I believe in the industry so much that I invest in shows where I'm not a producer on. If I hear something good's coming in and they may not need another producer person, but you know, I've said, I, I just believe in you. Can I invest in your show? Um, so I'm a, I, I, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid. I think if there's something really there, um, if the elements are working, um, but you know, every once in a while it, the old expression, you know, it looked really good on paper. It sounded good. Boy, that person starring in this with this material and that so-and-so is directing it and da 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 that should be amazing. And sometimes it's not amazing. It does happen. I mean, that does happen. You know, I, even with films, TV shows, you know, it's got, you know, what would seem to be all the right elements. And for whatever reason, it just, the magic doesn't happen. You know, we take that for granted. It's, 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 I, I really do think that something just elements just just pull itself together and and you know and as a theater goer um, it's interesting because a lot of time when I, back in the pre-covid there are times I go to theater and see things out of town or very early development to see if I think they should move forward there were other times as a theater goer, I just go to a show to enjoy it. You know, a lot of shows don't need to go to Broadway. They shouldn't. They should be in smaller houses because they're wonderful and they're intimate and it's totally fine if they're in a 299, 199 or 299 seat theater and they belong and should stay that way. So I, I, I had many an argument with another producer saying, don't take your show to Broadway. It's great in this venue and maybe move it around to smaller theaters around the country or internationally, but don't move it. Don't take away what, what, what's working for it is the intimacy. So again, that's part of, I guess, if you want to say that's just another part of producing is also kind of knowing what you've got in your, in your, in your storytelling, you know, which I'm not sure, you know, film is a bit different with that. And I guess there's differences in independent film versus studio film. And I know that's an industry that's really dramatically changing right now too, you know, especially with, the uncertainty of movie theaters, you know, which is interesting because live theater is different. You know, once we're, we're, we're down the road and, you know, six months, a year from now, there's nothing like being with, in a room with live, perform, with live performers and live music. I think it's going to be a different conversation about for the film industry, how to get people back into theaters when they can watch the films at home. And I think there are certain films, those big blockbuster scenarios where, okay, maybe you need that big screen and that surround sound, but I think that's gonna be a challenge as well. But I think it'll get figured out and it'll get monetized. But again, it's just gonna be a big change in how that industry um, is handled the same way for my industry. I don't know if every Broadway show will wanna go immediately to like live streaming, but I think for me, I think the lesson is certainly, um, try to capture everything, whether we, whether you, you send it out, use it for, make a streaming deal early on, but you don't release it for a while, but certainly somewhere early in your run, capture that, uh, capture your show so it's not lost. I know already from last year, there are two or three shows, they were in previews that for whatever their reasons are, are not going to come back. Um, you know, reopen when Broadway reopens and, you know, kind of a, a shame, right? That 
I'm sure they had some could have had some wonderful stuff to them, and you know, it's lost. Yeah. But that's the ethereal magic of live theater too, is that you know you're in a special moment. I've seen some of my own shows dozens and dozens of times, and even though, you know, the line readings are the same, and you know it's all the same, but you have an energy in that live audience, being with people, and there's always something different. And I really enjoy watching audiences a lot of times watch a show like when I know there's a special moment coming up I'm there are times when I'm my head is just turned the opposite way from the stage because I want to <laughs> watch I want to see the audience's reaction to this oh my god moment or this big laugh moment or this yeah. big cry moment whatever it is and again so you 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 can get and and, and it's always interesting when you read the stage manager's reports there's even different, like, it's a Tuesday night audience again, or, oh, it's this Wednesday matinee, or, oh, my God, the Friday night people are out. They've had cocktails. It's fascinating, <laughs> you know, just even the psychology of what your different audiences are. And, you know, there's so much that goes on in, in, in again, that's just on the business side of, 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 you know, how you price tickets, what shows, when should you, what days or nights or afternoons should you have shows, because maybe you get better audiences for this show over the weekend versus it's a young, very young crowd. It's a very, it's an older crowd. Again, all part of producing and decision-making of knowing what your product is, understanding your product and understanding who, who your audience is to know how to, you know, to set it up in the right way. So, you know, again, we're assuming that the product is good now. Okay. Now, now from a business standpoint, how do we, how are we the most effective? Right. Oh, absolutely. I, I love what you're saying, too, that there are so many working parts that go into putting on a successful production, so many different mm. elements. And I love how you talked about the magic being in the air as well. And you, you've worked personally with so many big names. I loved going to your website and just seeing like the who's who <laughs> and with all of your photos. It was so much fun. And you have also like invested so much into the future of the arts as well. I know you, you've yeah. run fundraisers, worked as an mm -hmm. advisor, been on committees. And so with all of that said, given the people that you've worked with and then also your own work in contributing to the survival of the arts, really, what would your words of advice be to find success in this industry, whether it is as a producer or a director or an actor or a writer or in any other sort of profession within the entertainment industry? You know, I think in answering that question, the answer is going to have to be a mid-COVID answer as opposed to if we were having this conversation in last January. Um, but I always say the same thing. I, I guess it's not just one skill. And I think people are really finding out their resiliency of, you know, I've seen some actors turn around and they're doing classes online and, you know, they're bringing in some change. Maybe it's not exactly what they were making from doing the show, but they've figured out uh, some, you know, what to do. So I would say, you know, I, there, as much as it would be great if I could say I've been producing for 30 or 30 plus years, everything I've done before, kind of any other profession or job or, or, or education I've had sort of has led and fed in to what I do now and my decision making now or my skills now. So I would say not only focus on, you know, obviously do what you love because life is short. I mean, unfortunately, this, this disease is hitting you know, we, everyone thought it was only for old people and we're finding out now um, that, that it's, it, it's affecting all ages. So definitely life is short. Um, so do what, you, do what your heart tells you to do and then put some sensibility into it and really hone, you know, hone your skills with keeping an eye on, you know, even if you're on the, enter, the creative and the entertainment side, still keep an eye on the business side about how you think you can monetize it. You know, don't just assume that, you know, you have written the most beautiful play in the world and they're going to run up and knock on your door. You know, people have figured out, you know, the first ones, they may not have been technically perfect, but the first, there were people that got up Zoom performances or readings right away because they, 
you know, they had an idea. They, they, I mean, they knew about it or they knew that, wait, we, I can do something to get my name out there or get myself out there. And who knows, you know, I know there's a, a, a podcast, a musical podcast that was done a couple of years ago just to be done as a podcast. And it wound up being picked up as a film. So wow. again, I, I think, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not that saying multitasking because I don't want to say that we should spread ourselves out that much. But I think if there's any lesson within this COVID time is unfortunately the arts are proving to be the most fragile industry. I mean, I feel terrible for the restaurants, although food itself is doing very well. Um, you know, food industries because we're all, we're, we're, we're home and we're cooking more and blah, blah. But if you want to look at just as an industry, the arts, um, I think are, are, are certainly, and live entertainment. You know, I was on the phone earlier today with a friend of mine who's very big in the cabaret world. And in New York City, especially in some of the big cities, that's a huge, another big business of, um, you know, the jazz clubs, the cabaret clubs, um, there's nightclubs, you know, it's, it's, so I think if we figured out anything, it's just sort of, you know, learn those other skills, which, um, so you're not, we, we don't get totally stuck. And to really also just go into it knowing that, you know, I, I told my kids years ago, it's, you know, life, it's, it's, a, it's a surfboard. And they, you know, you're going to be, the waves are just going to go up and down and you got to hold on. And, you know, the only constant is change. Unfortunately, this, this year had a couple of too many changes. Obviously, ones that the universe put in front of all of us and everybody here had to, we've all had to face our own destinies. Um, I kind of love what I do. Uh, and I love live theater. But because I've been looking now the last couple of months so much at other ways, other entertainment platforms, I don't think I'm leaving theater, but I'm not going to, I, I think I will be way more open now to um, other, other forms of projects that will be delivering entertainment in other ways. I mean, to me, it comes down to the storytelling. You know, I, I just love being a part of, of knowing that I have helped that, that, that story or that message get out there. Um, and I hope to remain a part of it and a part of live theater, but never, never stop learning, never stop learning and never think that, okay, I'm done or I know enough or this is it. You know, watch how many people now in, in the arts or even in other worlds are, are just morphing and into other things. I think that'll be interesting, like you said, when we're on the other side of this, you know, a year, year and a half from now to see who's, uh, who's on top. You know, the same way, think back to, you know, television, it used to be, channel right two four seven and now when you look at the emmy nominations it's all of these networks that you know th those those networks that we a lot of us grew up on you know barely are barely even noticed anymore or or, or have any impact anymore so right. again thinking it at, you know learn you learn your skills learn your craft but thinking it out of the box and just knowing you know, the rug could get pulled from under me again. So just so I know, well, just in case I can, you know, I can, I can shift a little to the left. I'm not going to say pivot again. I can shift a little <laughs> to the right um, because that just seems to be the way of the world. I mean, I've had a couple of different careers. I'm very fortunate that this one that I've wound up in, I may not be in front of the camera or on the stage, but it's still bringing me back to what my first love was and what I first know from my life, which is entertaining people. Uh, just doing it, you know, from, you know, never, ever, ever having to audition for anything again, which is for me comforting because I always found that that process. So I, 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 it's like I say, I admire actors as well, because until you, it is, it is, um, you know, I just remember I, I walked into an audition and I was, you know, I checked off every box of what they were looking for. And it was just down and you walk in the room and there's 30 of you just sitting there. And I, I, I have sat through auditions and I often wonder how the director even chooses because there's so much talent. There's so much talent. But again, that's the director's talent. The director has the vision of just what they want and the look they want to create. So I think again, you know, it's a surfboard. Just be ready to ride the waves and stay healthy. Stay healthy. Yes. Not only wearing the mask for now, but really respect the body because you're going to get, you know, and as a former dancer, stay in it respect 
the body. It's better now. Back then, nobody warned, you know, we didn't get as many warnings about, you know, don't be spinning around on your knees without protecting them and all of that. So, you know, just take care of the, the, old, the old expression, take care of the instrument and, and, and study and be open to learning um, all times. I just read an article that it's great to keep at any age to see if you can learn a new language, not even if you ever go to that place, but because it stimulates part of the brain and just keeps the brain waves flowing. And I think that's something we need right now. I think a lot of really brilliant and great things can come out of this time. So everybody just stay healthy. Oh, it's, it's so important. Uh, Wendy, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the Relate podcast. I not only appreciate you taking the time to be on the show, but I also really appreciate the work that you're doing in the yeah. theater industry, in the entertainment industry. I could tell that you bring a lot of care, a lot of love, a lot of passion to your work. And even though I know that Broadway is kind of on hold at the moment, I'm very excited you know, for your future projects down the road, some new mediums that you might be working in. And, and yeah, so just th thank you so much for your contribution to the industry. It's really been my pleasure to speak with you and my pleasure to just do something that I really love, love to do, which is present great entertainment like yourself, you know, be informative and maybe make a little difference in, in somebody's life. Where can our listeners find out more information about you and your work? Absolutely. My business, it's called Foolish Mortals Productions. There's a whole story how I got that name. I love, I love that name, by the way. It's great. Very quickly. Um, the uncle I told you did all the voiceovers. He did the voiceover for the haunted house at Disney. And when you walk in and you hear that, that voice saying, welcome, foolish mortals. And that was my uncle, Paul. And there was a biography written about him and it was on my desk when I had to come up with a company name and I said, nobody else had Foolish Mortals Productions. And I think it kind of fit what I, fits what I do. And anyway, foolishmortalsproductions.com. <laughs> and it tells my, you know, whom I've worked with, what I've done and what I hope to do and has some other stories and info. And I look forward to adding on to that in the very near future. You know, again, as we're saying for Broadway, it's only intermission. <laughs> yes, oh, I love that. So uh, for our listeners listening out there, I will include those links to her website in the show notes. So just scroll in the show notes, click those links. I highly recommend checking them out. It, she's, you know, Wendy, you're doing some amazing work. I have one last question for you. Of course. How can we as a society better relate to one another? You know, it's kind of biblical. Just treat others as you would like to be treated. Treat thy neighbor as you would like to be treated. Um, wake up with an attitude of gratitude. You have to wake up every morning, especially this. I've been reminded of that the, these last couple of months. I'm looking at what happened to this industry and, and, and group of people and world that I love so much is to just be grateful for what we've got and treat other people kindly, kind and well. And just put it out, you know, just put it out to the universe that, um, you know, I'm here and I'm here to do, I'm, I'm here to do good, but I'm here to also be here for my fellow man. But attitude of gratitude, we got to wake up with it every morning. Can't yeah, fall down it. Uh, it's, it's so true. Uh, Wendy, th thank you so much again for joining me on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Relate. You can let me know your thoughts on this episode by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review. Or if you have the Anchor app, feel free to call in and leave a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. You can support this podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.